You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. We're at the Sunset Tower Hotel, my fave joined in Los Angeles on a really cold and rainy day. Today, we are all having lunch with an accomplished, incredible actress. She is an Oscar winner, Screen Actor Guild Awards, National Board of Review Awards, Critic Choice, a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, and I am talking about Octavia Spencer. Hello! Look at you, handsome devil. Oh my God, this rock hard body, and I I feel like a marshmallow. (laughs) This is the best idea. Octavia walks into the tower bar, immediately starts cracking jokes, and she's just a vision and a force always to be reckoned with. But what she doesn't know is that today, I got a couple of surprises for her. Eric, come on over, meet Octavia, and you get Octavia a drink, and... Well, I'm gonna have to have some Diet Pepsi. My first surprise is a bottle of Octavia's favorite cocktail, and it will surprise you, which I kind of quickly realize may not be the perfect gift. I'm a terrible driver, and the fact that there's rain, but it's dry January. I try to do dry January last about. I, well, for me, it, it probably won't be very dry when I get home. So everybody who's pulled up a chair, I have Octavia's favorite drink, even though, even though she is. Listen, even though I'm it's dry. It in my purse. You are. So don't open it. That's a party gift. So the intention of this was to toast season three of Truth Be Told. The this could be a party game. I tell the tell the people who pulled up a chair what your favorite drink is. My favorite drink is the sangria Maria Hoya from uh, Trader Joe's. We should probably pop it open just to okay, have a little, just a, a little taste. bit. So pull up a chair because we're ruining some New Year's resolutions today. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. I'm Bruce Bozzi, and this is my podcast, Table for Two.
So season three, truth be told, it is on Apple TV. It dropped on January 20th. I mean, this shit is real. Poppy yeah. is. So, I, you know, what? I'm going to start there because I also want to talk about your star. You have this big year for you. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. So this is an intense season. Okay, now there's some real shit going down in this town and Poppy is not happy until she finds it out. Tell me about Truth. Tell me about Poppy Scoville. You know what I love about this character? And and what's wonderful is that it's an anthology series. So, you know, you don't have to have seen uh, season exactly. one or two to be uh, up to date of what happens. Right. To, it's a different mystery that right. we solve each season. But... What I loved is we've seen uh, Poppy's arc. When you first meet her, she's just left the New York Times mm-hmm. and moved to back to California where her family big is. House. Big house, right. husband. Right. Um, and But she didn't have his last name. You know, she was mm-hmm. using her mother's maiden name. She right. didn't even have uh, Scoville, which right. is her dad's Right, right. Uh, well, name. She finds all that. She finds there, there's a lot that we, right. we we go through with Poppy, but it's it's funny because I think she essentially is finding herself, and I don't think she ever realized that she was lost. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what life is. And um, uh, work wise, she's she is committed to being a journalist, and 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 truth is at the center of everything. And um, but. The other thing about journalism is that the journalist is never a part of the subject. Poppy, being a podcaster, is always a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? She's, so you know, Poppy puts everyone's life at risk. Yes, she does. She really does. She, I, for the truth. For the truth. And that's where it is. It's so much fun to play her. Very interesting because I don't know. Um, I uh, Danger truth i understand as me personally you always want to tell the truth you always want to be uh truthful in situations and relationships and the people you love the people that that surround you but there's this this mechanism within her to where it's it's uh i think it becomes a a detriment Mm -hmm. to anyone around her if they're involved in the mystery because it's like the pursuit of truth harms a lot of people well that's an interesting thing you bring up because it does like you you know in season one you really put your family in a very difficult position and your Mm -hmm. sister i mean it's heartbreaking Mm -hmm. when they uh arrest your sister and 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 it's it's beautiful in a tragic way when they start to un take off her how she presents herself yes octavia and so i I thought to myself i'm like when your dad's pissed at you and now you know in season three you know like you said it's an anthology so Mm -hmm. everyone's in a different place Mm -hmm. in their life in your family and you're living in a different place um is there anything poppy would not do because or is the truth that I think she's learned a lot about, uh, because everyone has an interesting relationship with the truth. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different perception of the truth. And I think that is where and how she has matured throughout the seasons. Because in season one, it was, you know, it didn't feel self-righteous to her, but it was you know, from yes. everyone else's yes. perspective. Yeah. 
And uh, going into season three, with all of the losses, whether through death or through divorce or through divorce of uh, marriages, divorces of friendships, yep. she has had to reconcile that within herself. Yeah. That everyone has a different relationship with the truth. Yeah. And some things she's not entitled to know. Um, but when it comes to victims and justice, mm -hmm. that's where she will turn over every rock. Yeah. And that's where I, I, I love that she's evolving as a person. But personally, I, I just don't think that we're all entitled. We're entitled to everyone else's truths unless they want to tell them. You know what I mean? Completely. Like there are, you can lean into someone's truth and they can say they, and we all have it. Yeah. We all have it in our lives. There are yeah. things that just don't come near, but I'm, nearly done but it's like literally just mm -hmm. you can't stop you, and you're right the I beauty of it that. is it's you can watch all three you can watch one you but but i'm I, i'm telling you you watch one and you need to watch the second and it <laughs> ends and you're like oh i'm gonna take a break play <laughs> that's what binging i hate that they've you know introduced binging into our lives because it's like you better have a, a, a little time because you start watching stuff and it's like, let me hit play, let right. me hit play. Oh. No, Apple said it to me yesterday <laughs> and I'm talking streaming, okay? That's how many hours I have spent. You have, you're invested now. You, um, you've all, you're deep. Oh, I'm deep. I'm like, that fucking mayor, I need to know what's, what's going, going down. On? So you think when we're done having our lunch, I'm not going to be sitting with you again for three more hours today? Honestly. Oh First of all, congratulations to Octavia Spencer. She got a, a star on Hollywood Boulevard. This is oh, a big deal. It, you it's know what it really deal. is. It's a big deal. And you know, you talk about uh, your tribe. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to quote you here, Octavia. Oh. And you say, 26 years ago, when you drove from Alabama to L.A. with $3,000 and a 48-inch TV and a suitcase <laughs> and a heart filled with dreams these drinks and then you talk about the tribe mm -hmm. and I always say you know there's the John Cassavetes if you're listening he had a tribe mm -hmm. he had Jenna Rollins he had Peter Falk he had you had John Hughes growing up he had Molly Ringwald he had Rob Below you're part of a tribe yeah and that's 1996 talk to us about your tribe and your truth in that Journey. Oh my God. It, it's so funny because you dream when you're wherever you are dreaming about coming to Hollywood or going to New York, being a person in the entertainment industry or stage or film. You always envision that journey. It's like, it's you. It's me, me, me. I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And when I, when I actually moved out here, I realized it wasn't a solitary journey that the people in my life, we were all in pursuit of the same dream. And it was, I mean, Melissa McCarthy, I mean, I met them, Alice and Janney, I met them all when I first moved out here. And wild. Because you met Tate. Tate and Octavia were PAs on yeah. Joel Schumacher film, which coincidentally, prior to this, I watched. And all of a sudden, I'm watching it. <laughs> there you are, the nurse. <laughs> Pop up for a second. I'm like, wait, it's Spencer. Innocent, innocent, we won, we won. <laughs> right. 
So that is, you know, okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. But that, but that was the the truth. And you know, uh, Tate Taylor. I, I met Sandra Bullock, Sam Jackson, Matthew McConaughey. To meet all of those people on the very first job that I got to work on, and then to meet. Uh, to have that relationship Tate and I have been thick as thieves yeah, you know for, and it's so funny because I moved out to Los Angeles when I was 26 my actual career for everyone else uh, started when I was 42 right wow. that's when right. you know everything happened for me because right. you know uh, Tate uh, and Brunson Green who was the producer of The Help and Tate wrote and directed it they fought for me to have that role in the help. I mean, I auditioned. They didn't. They didn't audition anybody else. Right. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> they knew they wanted you. They, they knew they wanted you. me. Right. But I had to go in there and do the job, and so it was. But it was the comfort of having the tribe there. Yeah. And we've just rolled along all these years, working on each other's, you know, things, and it's just. I, I'm so grateful for that because right. that is that is my truth in and knowing how those relationships and hard work because you know there are so many talented people in this town yeah. who haven't broken through and I'm no more talented than they are. Mm. Um, uh, I think it's a, a little bit of luck, a little bit of. Uh, a lot of a uh, little bit of talent, a lot of training, but a lot of relationship. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. 
I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Welcome back to Table for Two, where we're talking with the amazing Octavia Spencer. She is inspiring on so many levels. But something I always come back to is her tenacity and persistence to go after her dreams, no matter how long it takes. We're going to get into all of it, but first, we need to order some lunch. So what are you going to have for lunch today? I'm having that salad. Uh, okay, a little chopped salad with a little, those, with a little salad. protein. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, look at you. I'm looking at you and I'm like, oh it's God. working for him, right? I I, you know, I do <laughs> the chop with the chicken. I'm going to do the chop with the chicken as well. Two chop with chicken. Uh, to your last point, take the time to prepare for your opportunity. Yes. Can you talk about that? I, I think, especially given uh, where we are with technology and social media, um, there are steps in the process, I think, that people want to skip because it's, a, it's, about, yes. it's about fame sometimes and it's about um, being out there. Oh, you know, no one has noticed me yet. And I, I think you have to be prepared because you don't know when that opportunity is going to come. So you have to study. And when you think about it, I remember my mom and it was the most practical advice she is ever given and and it's just part of it's my mantle you know whenever you if if you're the first job you ever get if it's a fry cook um if it's a a newspaper boy someone's going to train you on how to do it this is how you sell your newspaper this is how you cook my fries right whatever else it is whatever field of study you're going to have to train yeah. And um, so take the time because if you're three years in, if you're 15 years in, if you're one year in, if you don't have the comfort of training, that's your foundation. And if you don't have, you know, your your land legs, when that opportunity presents itself, yeah. it could mean failure. Yeah, because if you don't build upon it, you don't have the you don't have the goods. You don't, you don't know. have the you foundation. Have to, you right. have to have that foundation because yeah. whatever it is, you know, everybody feels like an imposter. Yeah, you know. Right. So if you haven't done the best to prepare for whatever it is, you can't go to you can't be a doctor without going to med school. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nobody's yeah. gonna let you doctor on. Them. Right, and the fool that does. <laughs> Might exactly. not get off the table. Exactly. So it's it's really true. You know, I found myself when I, you know, um, when I graduated college, I, I went into the NBC Page program. Mm. And, you know, it was it was a great program and I gave tours. Mm-hmm. And I think similar to you and Tate, like, always had fun. It was mm-hmm. always something kind of little <laughs> trouble going on. It was just fat, giving tours to these people and... One of the assignments I had was on the Today Show, which nobody wanted because it was super early in the morning, summer of 89, 
And I did. And so I did. I interviewed. You had an interview for I kept pointing to the producer and she was like, one word of advice, stop pointing at the interview. And I was like, oops. And I did it. And my job was literally like, Octavia, you would come, you'd have a, a segment on and I'd get you to hair and makeup. I'd greet you at 535 in the morning. Oh da, da, da. So I did it for that summer and I was running, running, running. And uh, the, my last day, Jane Pauley said, so here's your last day. And she goes, if you would like, I'd like to write you a recommendation. I said, well, why? All I did was get people to makeup and to hair and ran scripts for you. She said, it wasn't what you did, it's how you did it. See? And you always came to work with a smile on your face. And so I think that's our lessons in life. Yeah. And you're, you know, so your journey from 26 to winning the Academy Award, that, that foundation is so important. Yes, it is. You yes, know, it is. was there ever a time in that period where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? Well, that's why it's important to have a tribe. That's true. Because when you have those moments of self-doubt, your tribe will surround you. Right. And lift you up from those moments of mm -hmm. despair. And I didn't have a lot of moments like that. But when I did, it was like, you know, of course you're going to be great. Of course you're going to succeed. Because I was watching all of my friends. I remember when Melissa McCarthy... Got Gilmore Girls. Right. I remember when Alice and Jenny got the West Wing. Mm -hmm. I remember when my friend Stephen Rogers, uh, who wrote I, Tanya, mm -hmm. um, all of his movies, you know, were, were selling as a writer. So I was just a part of this group. And, and no one ever allowed anyone to think that they weren't going to make it across the finish line. Right. And that's how we all got there together. Right. You know, and it just, there were moments, though, you know, that you're like, what am I doing? Uh, and the funny thing is, when success happens, the years fly by because mm -hmm. you're on a plane, on a location, on a, yeah. you know, and you look up and you've been working for four years. And so then I realized I would start to measure time by, you know, family and kids and growth. It's like, oh, my God, you're on your second baby. <laughs> oh, right. What's going on? Right. I, I just love every aspect of, of the journey. Right. And I, I know that I love every aspect of it because I was in it with a very uh, strong group of friends, a very fun group of friends. I can remember, you know, hanging with Janny or hanging with Tate and, and, you know, being with you and hearing the stories filled with laughter mm -hmm. and, it's, and, uh, and and the truth. It always goes back to the truth of, you know, people that really loved each other and weren't going to let their success. Because, you know, some people get successful and then they ditch. They die in a ditch. They're out. They so they weren't, they weren't ever living truthfully then with mm -hmm. their group. So would you say the, the moment for you that changed it all was winning the Academy Award? It was a prior. It was leading up because think about when The Help came out. It was a huge book. Yeah. It was a huge ensemble cast. If I didn't get that part, even if I hadn't been considered for the Academy Award or what have you, mm -hmm. look at all the women in that film. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, uh -huh. and how the careers have progressed. Yeah. I think had I not been a part of that film and that ensemble and that troupe of, of actors associated with that project... I don't know that the career trajectory would have been the same. Okay. I'm glad that the film was successful. Um, did the Academy Award help? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, but the first thing is I actually had to get a role right. that would lead to an Academy Award or a BAFTA, right. you know? To help us come up in conversation, you know, it's 
an incredible movie. You're incredible. Thank you. Uh, and it also has come up in Could It Be Done Today? And I get confused with that answer question because part of me is like, well, if it happened, why why can't the story be why told? Why can't the story be told? I, I think what's happening in society right now is very, very dangerous because, you know, we are scrubbing the history books. Right. And, and if we can't point to our historical references and if we can't point to things like that in art, in history... Where do we? Yeah, we're we're, we're repeating history now right. because we've been stripping those truths away. Yeah. So for me, uh, could the help be made today? I don't know. Should the help be made today? Absolutely. It represents um, real people who made real contributions to society, who were never rewarded for those contributions. Exactly. So their story should be told. Their story be should heard. be told. For me to sit there and watch that movie and be a white guy from New York City, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. It's a story I get stuff from. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a very slippery slope. It's a dangerous. slippery slope. But what, what I, because I, I just remember um, everyone saying, you know, uh, for me, and this is my truth as a, as a black actress in, in Hollywood, is diversity and inclusion. I don't have a diversity problem. Mm-hmm. I'm a black woman. Right. I don't have a diversity problem. Right. I think when we don't include people from all walks of life, yeah. when we don't see that representation on film and right. television, in books, yeah. in literature, there is a, a, a sense of invisibility and people not understanding the contributions that all people made yes. to this, the, the fabric of this society. Right. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, 
Ava DuVernay, Benny Safty, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Welcome back to my conversation with Octavia Spencer on Table for Two. I just love talking to Octavia because, you know, she reminds me of what it can mean to not only have a big heart in the entertainment business, but really how important it is to help people behind you become successful. You use the word invisibility, and I think it's a great word because I've often said growing up in the 80s and being a gay guy, I learned how to become visibly invisible. Mm. And I feel like when you were growing up, were there people that you felt you saw yourself in? And now sitting in the seat that Octavia Spencer sits in, this huge heart, what is the responsibility or do you feel a responsibility that comes with that? I think if you had asked me when I was 26 if I felt a responsibility, um, even though I had nothing to be responsible for because nobody knew my name, but if I were successful at, at 26, I would have said, no, you know, I'm an artist and I want to, you know, my job as an artist, as a creative person, is to shine a light, illuminate things in society but also provide a little bit of escapism, uh, have a voice in the creative process. Uh, I don't, I don't want to bear a responsibility. And now where I am and understanding that women, women of color, didn't necessarily have access or a voice in, in uh, their place in this, in this right. industry. I do have a responsibility, and I'm excited about having that responsibility. That's why I'm excited about being a producer. Growing up, you know, I I looked like most people out there for my inspiration. And so you saw the Oprah Winfrey's and the Cicely Tyson's and the Diane Carroll's. And, oh, my God, because I'm a big literature nerd. I'm an English major. So that's all I did was read and, uh, Dr. Maya Angelou and so many, you know, artists and writers, you know, Baldwin, every, you know what right, I mean? Sure. So I looked outward and of course I was um, inspired by their work. But now at this age, I remember it was my mom, you know, working to make sure that we, you know, had education and, and, and ac- access to a life that she wasn't privy to. Mm-hmm. As I think about my college days, my mom passed when I was 17. It was my sisters, mm-hmm. you know, all of us working, you know, jobs and getting scholarships and help student loans to help pay for each other's education. Right. So where I sit now, um, Yes, there were a lot of, of people that were visible to me, and educators were very important to me because they were always encouraging me uh, to, you know, I always say reach for the tallest branch on the highest tree because the further you reach, the further you'll go. Right. 
But now I realize it was family and that, that, that insulated group around me. And that's why family is so important to me and friends are so important because it's the it's life imitating. Yeah. I mean, you're a master storyteller. What do you love about producing? Like, what do you look for? It's funny that people don't know this, but there, there are a few things that I, you know, if my mom had lived, I would have definitely, you know, gone to law school and, you know, been a part of, uh, of a different world. And this is more the dream that I had for myself. Right. Um, and but I actually wanted to be a producer, even though I didn't know what producers did. And now that I realize that that's what you bring, you, you put the projects together, you're the, the puzzle person. Right. And I've always been a puzzle person in real life. Okay. So I wanted to do that first. And it's funny that acting facilitated that um, the, you, because, you know. Yeah. I, well, you didn't know. I didn't know. Right. The, so the, one the, door the, the chicken the or the door. egg. Right, you know? right. I got the egg and the chicken, <laughs> right. and I'll take them both. <laughs> I like eggs and I like chicken. <laughs> My very first producer credit, and it was an executive producer credit, was Fruitvale Station. Okay. I and Nina Yang Bon Jovi and uh, Forrest Whitaker. Um, it was their movie, and uh, Ryan Coogler uh, wrote it, and I, I read the script and loved it. And I don't know why I thought R- Ryan Coogler was a young Jewish kid. Yeah. And I, I, I read it, and I thought, this kid who probably has no relationship to, to Oakland or whatever, right. wow, he was able to really get in there, and yeah. I feel it so visceral. And I, I wanted to do it. And uh, when I met Ryan, I was like, you're not, okay, so (laughs) there's so much that I got wrong. Uh, But falling in love with that script and being a part of that production and talk about a diverse crew, it was just one of the most uh, amazing experiences that I've had as an actress. Man, though, we've come a long way and I, and I, 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 don't think it, it's been a good trajectory because I did Fruitvale Station about, you know, uh, gun violence and, you know, yep. violence against young black men because I, I'm not a mom, but I'm a sister. I'm an aunt. And we say, aunt. let me just be, I'm an aunt. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm a cousin and yeah. I'm a friend. So I, I wanted to be a part of that film. And how I became a producer is that movie was only made for like nine hundred thousand dollars and they had a hundred and fifty thousand dollars fall out of it i had just won the academy award for the help i had just finished snowpiercer we were filming in the summer and some other financing fell through and i said well i have some nouveau riche friends let me call them you know they've gotten some money from the help and you know let me call some people yeah and i made some calls and we were you know and i put a little money in and we're just patching things uh yeah together and um nina and forrest were so generous um because the other thing when i realized like they didn't have a budget and they had me in this wonderful hotel and i was like well i can pay for my own hotel let's use this money and this per diem for me and let's use it to you know get other actors and so they were so generous and said you've done so much can we offer you an executive producer credit and of course i wasn't going to turn that down sure and uh, so then I just 
started, it's just what I gravitate towards as, a, as an artist. If it resonates with me, mm-hmm. I feel like hopefully it'll resonate with, with, with audiences. Yeah. And, but I always look for stories that might at first seem bleak, mm-hmm. but there's always a thread of hope and light right. in the end. surprise for you. Oh, you had a problem. <laughs> Tate Taylor says you like empanadas. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to kill Tate. You're, he's you're, killing, you can take these home He's killing too. my diet. <laughs> two beef and two chicken. <laughs> I love you so much right now. <laughs> so meanwhile, it's an Argentinian. These are supposed to be the best in LA. Oh. Small little place on um, Sautel and Venice Boulevard. This is Christmas. <laughs> can I just clink? Look, can we do another we clink on that? Because this is just amazing. Thank you. <laughs> when you're having lunch with BB, we have to make it special. It's I have Octavia special. Spencer at the table. Okay, Octavia's <laughs> clapping, which means it's good. It's so good. <laughs> I totally screwed up your January. No, you didn't. <laughs> you just made me realize that it's about life and it, I have to moderate. Octavia, your body of work is amazing and it is it speaks for itself. Um, so along the way of making those choices, I'm sure there's a multitude of choices that you didn't or you've mm-hmm. said no to. What what makes you not do a project? It's interesting. Uh, I know some people when they when they read a script, um, they look at their character and the prominence of their character and you know, my character could be the lead. My character could be a part of an ensemble. It's just, what is the contribution of that character? How integral to the story is she? But I choose projects as a whole. When I sit down and I read the script, if the the creatives behind it, if I, if I don't believe that they're going to be able to execute it mm-hmm. in the manner that it, the script, it, it has to be on the page. But if it's not, uh, if it's on the page and the people around it aren't, uh, they don't have to be named or, or storied uh, people. Right. They just have to know what they're doing. Right. And I love writer-directors. You know, 90, I would say 85, 90% of the work that I've done is for people who've written things for me or mm-hmm. they are the writer-director. Right. And I love that because if you're the writer-director, you're not um, looking through someone else's lens. If it's on the page, I know that you're going to be able to execute it. Right. Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Yeah. I, I was only supposed to meet with him for like 30 minutes and okay. it turned to like a three-hour lunch. Right. We had the best time because I was a big fan of his. And he... He said, I wrote this script. I'm going to send it to you and I'm not going to tell you anything. And I was like, well, okay. I got home and I read the first page. My character's not in the first page. But I read the first page and I called him and I said, I'm in. He's like, you haven't even had time to read it. But I read the first page and I was so, I knew. Yeah. You know, I just knew. And then when I, when my character, it does come into the script, I was already in and I just, I'm in. Just tell him I'm in. Okay, so you talked about, I didn't know you were a literature major. So mm-hmm. are, like, are you, what are you reading now? What are you, I'm reading what are you Mich- reading and what are you binging? Right now I'm reading Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. I just, I think she's an amazing writer and she has just had a 
really interesting life. Mm-hmm. The next thing that I want to do is join a, a book club right, okay. and read multiple things at once. Right. Because I used to have this voracious appetite for you know, material. And now I'm thinking, well, where do I look? I've never been a huge reader. I, I like the idea of reading. I'm the slowest reader. Like I was reading the kite runner and four years later, every dealer said, so how's that book? I'm like, I'm on page 30. Oh, I can't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, they laugh. made the movie. <laughs> I haven't finished it. All right? But I'm, get, I'm getting a lot better. I get really caught up in, in to my genres and I, what, what are I, your genres? I love <laughs> mysteries. I literally live in the mystery world and, and thrillers. And so anything Patterson does, it's like, <laughs> You know, yeah, and and I love Dean Koontz, and I love mm-hmm. all of, you know, but they're a little spooky and a right. little. Yeah. So so now I'm. It's funny where I am in life. I kind of don't want the fantasy of those things anymore. I'm into uh, other people's life experiences and not fiction, right. the nonfiction. So um, that's where I am, and it's a weird place because I have stacks of books that are like getting dust that I haven't cracked open yet Yeah, um, that I bought. And I also love reading children's literature. Right. Do you, do you love reading it or are you part, did you have a project? I, I actually, right. I wrote a children's book because right. That's what I, I'm thinking. I'm pulling it. I'm I, like, I, yes. I, 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 um, you know, am dyslexic. Okay. And, uh, mystery saved my reading life uh-huh. because, um, my teacher in the first grade gave me encyclopedia Brown. And she said, you're going to want to pay attention to every thing in the book, uh, because you don't know what is a clue. And of course you're like, cause I would tap out a text, you right. know, I would start reading. And if the narrative didn't catch me immediately, right. I'm like, I can't do right. it. Then when I started reading mysteries, I couldn't put them down. Right. You know, it hit those brain cells in a different the, way. In a very different way. I mean, I read, I read every Hardy Boy, Nancy Drew book. Really, every single one. I read every Encyclopedia Brown, the Boxcar Kids, like the, every single one. But that's that's kind of who I am. When I become a fan, uh-huh. I then have to consume everything you do. That's the tribe you're in. You mm-hmm. all are just fully in. Yeah. Like that is what I think is so spectacular about everything you and your group is like, you're like, oh, we're in, we're in, like, we're going to go and whether it's just going out to some steakhouse <laughs> in like steakhouse. six hours away, <laughs> you know, as well, Cadillac and John's driving, <laughs> you know, it's like, cause the best, you're like, where am I now? What state am what I What am I doing? <laughs> yes. Eric is you. I, I I like you. Eric's, good. <laughs> Eric's got the mullet of the century. I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad. No, it's good. Oh, I thought it was a ponytail. <laughs> oh, look at you. It's cute. It's a mullet. No, it's. It's my Wisconsin waterfall. I'm trying to. I I was always being asked. Hollywood has a diversity problem. I said, well, Hollywood may, but I, I don't have a diversity problem. Yeah. I'm diverse in my nature. Right. Um, and that's what I love, though, about finding projects and being a producer. Because the other question I'm asked a lot is, what's the role you're meant to play and destined to play? Mm. And 
that you want to play and, and the role I've always wanted to play, the role that I feel that I'm destined to play is that of a producer to create opportunities right. for everyone who wants to be a storyteller, um, but especially people who don't have access to opportunities. Is there something that you would like to bring to screen, someone's story that you would like to tell? It's funny because Donna Gelati, uh, producer of uh, Hidden Figures, mm -hmm. brought me a script and uh, she's just one of the most fascinating people. The, the subject of the script, um, Debbie Roundtree Johnson. I, I, I don't want to say too much about her story, okay. uh, but I'll tell you off the mic. Okay. Um, but uh, I am excited about telling her story. She's a, a lawyer. She lived to be 104. She had the opportunity to be the national head of the NAACP. And she actually chose to uh, take on a case that was in her community. Um, and boy, was she up against some very powerful forces. And um, she won that case. And when you read her story, when you read her, you know, just reading her obituary, it was like, what? <laughs> She's one of those, the, yeah. those women that you, you kind of really didn't know about. Mm -hmm. You know, I won't say she was necessarily a hidden figure, um, but she she was. Yeah. Um, and I think her story definitely deserves to be told because yeah. I get to play a lawyer. <laughs> I don't have to actually be one. Um, and I'm excited about that uh, because of, of the impact, I think. You know, that ripple effect that she was able to have in her community. So amazing people's lives <clears throat> that you don't know the magnitude, mm -hmm. you know. And then when you learn, um, wow, look what a person can do. Exactly. The, the fact that you say that. And, and I am so grateful for the educators in my life, for my mom, because when you recognize and, and when you nurture that curiosity in kids, um, but let them know that they have something special, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that we all have something to contribute to the world. Yeah. And if people felt better about what their contribution is, I mean, it, it, you know, if it's a person that's an amazing cook and you're feeding, you know, uh, your family or it, you, you want to open a bakery, that yeah. should be celebrated. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. No matter how big or how small, those right. contributions are important. Yep. And I think the world would be a much better place if people um, recognize that in each other and encourage that. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do know what you're saying, Octavia. And I do think that we have tended to value something that's much more glamorous yeah. and lucrative mm -hmm. as opposed to valuing the sort of the whole landscape and the and the small mm -hmm. and the significance of the small you know and i know you know you've re referenced your mom and and it's it's so it fills me with such joy and emotion because you had your mom for 17 years mm -hmm. and you the power that she gets gave you in that short period of time. Absolutely. Is amazing. It really is. And that power you have given to all of us. Oh. You have. Thank you for saying that. I feel very fortunate and uh, I love quoting movies, especially The Color Purple. But uh, this isn't The Color Purple, this is Spider-Man. Uh, too much whom is given, much is expected. Mm. And I, I, uh, I definitely believe that for my life mm -hmm. and my career and I, I'm just I'm a very I'm happy you know I'm yeah. happy that I have 
those opportunities. It's always sad when lunch ends, but luckily for Octavia, I'm sending her home with a jug of Trader Joe's sangria and a ton of leftovers. Hey, Eric, I'm taking, I'm taking my stuff. You got it. I got it all to go for you. That's yeah, well, I'm taking. This is You got it. My mama doesn't cook, and when you have good food, box <laughs> 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 Cheers. Cheers. So everybody, thank you for pulling up a chair with um, Octavia and I today. This was a magnificent lunch. You got to check out Truth Be Told on Apple. It's amazing. I love you, Octavia I love Spencer. you, too, and thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you for And thank you for here. my meal. Oh, my God. My <laughs> pleasure. My treat. Table for Two with Bruce Bozzi is produced by iHeartRadio, 737 Park, and Airmail. Our executive producers are Bruce Bozzi, Jonathan Haas-Dressler, and Nathan King. Table for Two is edited and written by Tina Mullen and researched and written by Bridget Arsenault. Our sound engineers are Emile B. Klein, Paul Bowman, and Alyssa Midgaff. Table for Two's LA production team is Danielle Romo and Lorraine Virez. Our music supervisor is Randall Poster. Our talent booking is by Jane Sarkin. Special thanks to Amy Sugarman, Uni Cher, Kevin Uvain, Bobby Bauer, Allison Cantor-Graber, and Barbara and Jen and Jeff Klein and the staff at the Tower Bar in the world-famous Sunset Tower Hotel. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. right.